morning, I'm not going to be speaking, I'm introducing our speakers, Larry Good and Sandra Sermoli. We're going to be preaching today, and uh, they're both key leaders in our community have been here. Sandra, since the beginning of time, has been here with us, <laughs> and uh, Larry just a couple years after that. But they're, they're valuable here not just because of uh, uh, all the different aspects of administration that they have carried within the life of the community, but really who you are. And their uh, maturity, you're carrying on the life of your family in an exemplary way, and your spiritual gifts also. So thank you. In just a moment, they'll come up here and uh, uh, set the, the background for what we're going to be talking about today. Oh, good morning, Alexis. I don't know when the last time y'all were here. Bless you guys. So anybody that's international dropping in, I'm uh, excited about. Anyway, good. Stay focused, Mark. There, you're getting a good cue. Okay. All right. Um, uh, so in this transition with the Yankees heading out, that's very emotional. It's really quite a process that we've been through. And now we're fully into transition. It's a middle phase. It's kind of a beginning and an end. We're praying. Hopefully all of us are praying. What does that look like? And I was praying about a metaphor, a type, that we could draw from the Old Testament that could give us some perspective on this. You know, are we, uh, are we wandering in the desert or uh, are we uh, in, back in Egypt eating leeks and onions or uh, are we in the promised land or uh, have we all been sent to Babylon in captivity for a little while? And uh, so the next one is a little bit better maybe than all those is we're rebuilding the wall. We're with Nehemiah. And there's uh, things that may be broken in this process that we didn't know that were broken because a lot of times when you peel things back, you go, oh, okay, Jeff was covering this or there was a process that was happening and now we can see what's going on and we want to rebuild. And we're not passive in this process. It's not like, okay, whatever, but there's purposeful activity for all of us. And uh, I really hadn't connected with this concept. I was like, what is this? Until one day I bumped into Lori and she said, I've been praying about Nehemiah. And I just went, ding, 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 ding. That's where we're at. We're not in Babylon. We're not in the wilderness. And uh, so we began to process this and I said, I want you to share that. And, uh, but also, it's kind of interesting. I, I, I think it's really important for us to hear from the body. And uh, I feel like... Uh, uh, more than representatives of like myself, try not to disqualify my, myself in, in my uh, statement right here. Uh, but I, the value, you know, you understand what I'm saying. The other people who aren't normally speaking from the front, their voices are so significant during this time. Every one of your voices are significant. And so we said, let's pull Sandra up here. I really feel like, and it was another one of those things, it was kind of funny, I bump into Sandra, I'm talking, and she's saying, Nehemiah is speaking to me. I said, okay, I, I love it when a plan comes together. <laughs> and uh, so, I'm going to invite Lori up here right now, and uh, she's going to be talking about Nehemiah from a corporate perspective, and Sandra is going to be talking about Nehemiah from an individual perspective. Next week, I'm going to be speaking out of Nehemiah on the principles of leadership. So, here you go, Lord. Let me pray for you. We'll just get started today. Lord Jesus, thank you 
for the, the gifts of ministry that you give and how you've spoken to Lori, not because she just randomly bumped into something, but she's given herself to your word for years and years and years and has been listening to you. So draw out of that well learner her life, old things and new today for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Mark. Um, it's good to be here on this uh, rainy day. Um, I'm glad I get to go first because who really wants to follow Sandra? Um, but in case you needed any reminder that this is really one sermon with two parts, we color coordinated for you. Uh, we really didn't, but <laughs> um, that was just kind of funny. So thanks for having me here. Um, I first started reading and meditating on Nehemiah a couple of months back. Um, it was in the midst of all of these meetings and just hard conversations. Um, and the overall feelings that I kept sensing myself and from everyone else were just these feelings of sadness and confusion and forlornness. And really, my heart just ached for our church and for our people um, who found themselves cheap without a shepherd. And, but as I read the story of Nehemiah and just meditating on the Jerusalem wall being rebuilt, God began to stir hope in my heart, to stir this call to unity for our people. So when Nehemiah first hears of the state of Jerusalem and the people there, he is heartbroken. He wanted to see Jerusalem restored, to see the people thriving. Um, and that began with his heart of compassion. And that heart of compassion then drove him to action within the call of God. He arrives in the city and he walks the streets, examining the scope of the work to be done. He knew he couldn't do it alone, so he begins to gather. He begins to recruit the people to join him in this mighty work of God, to rebuild the wall section by section, to lay its beams and put its doors and bars and bolts in place. And you see that phrase over and over and over again. Um, and if you're still here, it's because you love this place. You love these people. And you want to see it succeed. You want to see it thrive. So today, we are gathering you. We are recruiting you to be a part of the building process. To join in this kingdom work of seeing God's kingdom established. Seeing a church planning movement established here in Boston. We invite you to have a role in laying the bricks, to stand side by side, to both build and defend. We invite you to construct and contend in community. We invite you to construct and contend in community because we need what you have to offer. 1 Corinthians 12.27 says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. If we are going to run, if we are going to see this thing done, then we need your part of the body to make the whole thing function correctly. We invite you to construct and contend in community because, among other things, Jesus came to earth to build his church, to bring people near, to bring people into his father's household. Ephesians 2, 17-22 says, He, Jesus, came and preached peace to those who were far away 
and peace to those who are near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple to the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. He came to gather and build his church. So we want to gather and build his church. So why must we construct and contend in community? When we step out to do God's work, there will be opposition. In Nehemiah, there are two main leaders of the resistance against Jerusalem, and their names are Sandalot and Tobiah. In chapter 4, verse 8, it says, They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. They ridicule, belittle, scoff at, threaten, gossip about the Jews. They can't stand the idea of Jerusalem being strong again. In Matthew Henry's commentary in Nehemiah, he says, The strength and safety of the church are the grief and vexation of its enemies. If we are doing the work of God to make our church a place of strength and a place of safety, then you better believe that our enemy is vexed. We construct and contend in community because there will be opposition and attack on us as individuals and as a body. And in order to contend against these lies and our own flesh, we need to be able to identify them as lies, to recognize them and call them out. Because when we do that, they lose the power. So, if you feel skeptical and you think, I'll really change when I see it. Okay, this is doubt and distrust causing you not to join in the work to be done, but to wait on the sidelines. If you feel lost and abandoned and find yourself pulling away, this is the enemy trying to steal your identity as a child of God. And if you feel tired and discouraged and overwhelmed, this is hopelessness that paralyzes you into doing nothing. And this morning, I was doing, just spending some time with God, and I was reading Romans 2, and in it, it says, um, do those who teach, teach themselves? And I felt really convicted, because this week, I have felt that lie of just being so overwhelmed, honestly. And I just realized, like, I can't get up this morning and preach about that until I repent for feeling overwhelmed and not contending. Um, so this feels really vulnerable to share about this. Um, but it just as I begin to repent, and I just say the song, you know, Give Me Jesus, and the, the last part of the line is, All my hope is in you. My hope is in you, God. Um, and I just, I'm telling you this because I want you to see that we have to contend ourselves, and we have to contend as a body. Because if... What is happening in my mind if I'm believing lies and I'm not contending my own in my own head, then that affects you as a body. And if you're not contending in your own head, that affects us as a body. So that is really important, okay? The lies that you allow affect the whole body. 
And as a church, the enemy wants to steal joy, life, and energy, kill momentum, and destroy strategy and unity. We will face opposition, so we invite you to construct and contend in community. How do we do this? If we use the people of Jerusalem, led by Nehemiah as our example, we see them do four things to construct and contend in community. First, they keep building despite opposition. I love what the text says in response to all the ridicule that Sanballat and Tobiah are trying to throw against the Jews. Nehemiah says, so we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all of their heart. They didn't waffle or wonder if they should keep going. They kept going. They kept building. They, and they kept doing it with all of their heart. They each had a section of the wall or of the city to rebuild. And they didn't allow doubt or fear to discourage them into inaction. They had a larger purpose in mind. And in this process here in our church, there's going to be difficult times. There's going to be hard conversations and dry seasons. But we want to keep going together. To construct a community with the end goal in mind of seeing a church planning movement established here in Boston. Second, they prayed and they posted guards. Chapter 4, verse 9 says, But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. They prayed. They got their minds and their hearts aligned with God. They posted guards. They were prepared and ready for opposition. When we pray, we are communicating with our Father to know who He is, what His heart is for us, for His church, for our city. He's downloading these ideas into our minds. He's aligning our minds with His purposes and giving us God ideas, not just good ideas. He gives us insight into the schemes and the plans of the enemy. And then His Holy Spirit reminds us of His Word and empowers us to stand firm. Third, they posted defenses at their weakest points. Chapter 4, verse 13 says, Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. Notice that Nehemiah posted families at the lowest and exposed places. We need this family, this church body, to help us in our low moments and exposed places. About three weeks ago, I went to New York um, with three friends from this church. Um, and while we were there, I got a phone call about a family member of mine who, sorry, still a little raw, um, who got himself into trouble, uh, the kind of trouble that can ch- that will change his life forever. Um, and it's not the first phone call of its kind that I've received about him. And so as the grief and the despair and um, the doubt and fear entered my mind, I was just overwhelmed with emotion. I was just crying on the hotel floor. And my three friends, they didn't really say anything. They just started praying for me. They just started speaking hope over me. They contended for me. Sorry, can't see anything. <laughs> um, I was low and exposed in grief and fear. 
and they defended me at my weakest point. We need each other. This family needs each other. We need to construct into one another to build, to encourage, and we need to contend for one another to pray, to help, to speak life. And lastly, the people of Jerusalem found their security and their power in God. So picture with me, Nehemiah has just posted the families with their swords and spears and bows at their weakest point. They're all standing there, and in his best brave heart voice, he shouts, Don't be afraid of them! Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons, and your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Nehemiah was calling the people to remember who the Lord is, to remember who he has been to them, to remember their covenant with him, to remember how he has fought for them and how he has received them back over and over and over again, and how their remedy to fear is always the presence of God. But at the end of the day, we can't do this alone. We can't even do this together if we don't have God. And if this is not about God being at the center of it all for His purposes and for His glory. So we invite you to continue the work that Jesus Himself came to do. He built His ministry in community, with opposition, and by God's power. He died to bring us together to build His church. So we invite you to construct and contend in community to see God's kingdom established here in Boston and beyond. And while this invitation is to join us in a corporate way, we still see the need for an individual call. So I would like to invite Sandra up to share more about me and Maya and the individual's role within the corporate context. Can you all hear me? Come on. Okay, great. Thanks, Lori. It's awesome. Gosh, she's like, who wants to follow Sandra? Who wants to follow Lori? I'm like, I'm like done. Here we go. Um, so yes, in the context of what we're being called to as the New Testament church, for the kingdom of God to advance in our city, it had, really has been the story of Nehemiah that is stirring me personally and individually again to say, I'm in again. I'm in again to commit to the body of Christ. Um, challenging me again to look again at my gifts and my service and ask how I can use them to glorify God. And it's calling me again to stand up and say, let's start rebuilding. And it's with a prayer and desire to see CFCF be a conduit of, of, of God's work and in, in the restorative work of Christ and His church in the city. And so as I've read Nehemiah, it's, I've seen that it's so much more than just a great story of the rest of like, let's do it together, which it is. But there's a deeper part in the grand narrative of the Bible that um, Lori so eloquently started, started us to show us how to construct and contend together. But I also want to share with you today, there is an individual call from this story. Um, there's a great author, um, pastor, and Bible teacher, one of my favorites to listen to, Tim Keller. And he puts it, um, in his study of Nehemiah, he puts it this way. Um, As a corporate expression of Christ, we all still have an individual ministry and individual gifts to bring to the work of rebuilding. And it's just like a body. When you think about your body, 
You know, we're not all one huge big ear. You know, it's like, we're good here. You know, it's like, it's like fingernails are important. Eyelashes are important. You know, arms and legs. And it's just like we read in Ephesians 4.16. From Him, Jesus, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And as I've been reading and meditating on the story of Nehemiah, again, like Lori, in, in a season of transition, in a season where it's like things have been really hard and I'm wanting encouragement, I've been rather, um, rather stirred up and encouraged by an unexpected chapter in this story. Um, and it hit me powerfully when I look at like, hey, what's my personal commitment? What's my personal call in, in this season? And so, like we said, we see in Nehemiah 2, we see Nehemiah calling the people. We see him saying, hey, let's rebuild the wall. And then them saying, yes. So Nehemiah 2, 17 and 18 says, then, this is Nehemiah, then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall in Jerusalem, and we'll no longer be in disgrace. They replied, let's start rebuilding. So they began the good work. And while that's like super exciting, you know, you're like, yeah, you know, and it gets me pumped up personally, it's actually been chapter three that has really done this neat stirring and brought some depth when I think about the individual call. And at first glance, when you look at Nehemiah chapter three, if you even if you open your Bible, it's like the list of names of the builders. And you're like, wah, wah, you know. And don't worry, I'm not gonna read all the names today, because it really sounds like a bunch of hard to pronounce names of Bible sounding people and the parts of the wall they did built and everything, but it's not, you know, necessarily oversighting overly exciting or glamorous or even mind blowing. But as you look closer and you read deeper into this list, you really see that it's a list of individuals. And as you look closer, you see that this list of individuals are from all walks of life. It's not just the priests who are like, let's rebuild the wall to see God's people, you know. It wasn't like just a bunch of priests. It was was merchants. It It was the priests. It was the commoner. It was nobility. You see these lists. You see men and women mentioned. You even see the seemingly qualified, like goldsmiths and blacksmiths. But you also see like a perfume maker. You're like, well, what does he know about construction? <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe it's no good. I don't know. But, um, but, that's, but what is so exciting to me is you see all these people saying, let's rebuild. And they're standing up, working side by side. When you look at that list, when you, if you just read it, it's like, Side by side to so and so, who's side by side to so and so? I like think of this like a long chain. I'm like, they all just stand side by side, like, I hope, I hope, you know, like, it's like, I kind of think that. And, um, and so they, they worked side by side to see God's work happen. And it's exciting. It's awesome. What it speaks to me is I, I don't have to be this super qualified person. God's not like, okay, get your act together, go to seminary, um, read this, read that, just start building. No, He's inviting me. He's saying, Let's start building. You have a ministry. You have gifts. And as someone who has the power of Christ in them as the church, let's start rebuilding. And to me, that's like, oh, yeah, you know. And um, the thing is, the other thing that was exciting is it's not, it's not up to the clergy to do it. When we think about CFCF, it's not up to all these staff people to do it. We need each other, just like Lori said, and we need you. Just like all body parts are needed, each to do his work, we need each of you to see the whole 
body function. And so what I ask you today, what I want to ask is, what is your ministry? What are your gifts? Can you use what God has given you to help us rebuild in this season? Another thing that was really cool that came from this study of chapter 3 um, was an interesting fact that actually linked the Old Testament to the New Testament. And so in, again, with the list of names, we see areas of the wall that got re- rebuilt. And one of these specific areas was called the Pool of Siloam. I think that's, I'm saying it right, Pool of Siloam. And so we read in Nehemiah 3.15, the fountain gate was repaired by Shalom, son of Kol Hosea. See why I didn't read the whole chapter? Ruler of the district of Mizpah. He rebuilt it, roofing it over and putting its doors and bolts and bars in place. He also repaired the wall of the pool of Siloam by the king's garden as far as the steps going down from the city of David. Okay, cool. So now let's read about the pool in the New Testament. Um, and it's in John 9. And in John 9, it's the story of Jesus healing a blind man. A blind man. And this, I just want to read this to you. John 9. As he, Jesus, went along, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming, when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, this word means sent. So the man went and washed, and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others says, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. Then how were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, The man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. And after this, as you keep reading the story, you see that this man and even his parents are ruthlessly questioned by the, um, and, well, they're ruthlessly questioned and then they're rejected and even kicked out by the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day. They're like, you're out. And the man, continue, the man continues the powerful testimony of Jesus' healing and restoration. And we read in John 9, the end of this chapter, 35, Jesus, this, I'm reading it, so Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, this man. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir, said the man. The man asked, tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. And the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And while this, this link is kind of cool, like cool, you know, um, it also shows us something pretty powerful. When we choose to hear a vision like let's rebuild and not just hear, hear it, but when we choose to hear the call and individually respond with our gifts and our work, we see that our section of the wall not only maybe bring some, bring some personal sanctification or even personal glory to God, but he might also have an eternal plan for the work that you are doing. I read this quote and I wanted to share with you about it, share with you to bring this point home. What if your simple job lays the foundation for miraculous, kingdom-sized work for generations to come? Think about that. This guy who years before said, yeah, I'm going to rebuild this and I'm going to rebuild this pool. Generations to come, Jesus performed 
some major miracles so that people could see the kingdom of God come. So people could say, you know what? I have access to this great God. Guys, that's for us today. What if your your simple job lays a foundation for miraculous kingdom-sized work? And you know what? My bet is that in one way or another, it is. It is. That's the kind of God we have. It's the kind of God that we want to see um, in our midst, but that's the kind of work he does. And so um, I want to ask the band to come up because I kind of want to end our time. But as they come up, I just want to share with you how um, this passage of Nehemiah is is hitting me deeply. Um, I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional. I don't mean this to sound cocky in any way or better than any way, but when Jeff and Sarah transitioned um, out of leadership last month, I um, actually became the oldest tenured member at CFCF. Now, I'm not the oldest, obviously. (laughs) Um, But basically what that means is I have been around this wall a long time. And in this season, it's been very emotional for me. Um, I was telling some friends during the season that everything about this season of thinking about transition and what we're going to have to do and how we're going to have to rebuild makes me want to run for my money. Have you seen those movies when they have like bank runs? They're like, get the money out! Like, you know, I, I feel like that's what I want to do because I'm not always sure that this investment is going to be worth it. And I'm like, listen, I get, I, I've given a lot of blood, sweat, and tears over the years for this church that I love. And now you're asking me to give more? I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? I'm like, I, I'm not sure. And I mean, when I moved here, I started with the beginnings of the training school. And then I helped start college faith groups and young adult faith groups. And I worked for the church. And I now work for CFI. I've been to lots of old mandates. I don't get a free ticket. I've been on it. Um, and I've seen a lot of Sunday mornings in this gym. And I had, uh, I've invested a lot of my time and energy and love. And I've seen glorious seasons of growth for this church. And so to now be at a juncture where I'm asked again to start over and commit again um, and rebuild, it's hard. I have to just be honest. It's hard. I want, I want to say, God, are you, are you sure? Is this really going to work out? Like, is this investment good? Like, what's the risk? You know what I mean? And, but you know what? Um, I say that because I don't know if I have it in me to give again emotionally, to give again relationally, and to be really honest, do I even have it in me to give again spiritually? Do I have it to contend and construct? But here's the thing. Just like Lori said, when I access the power of God, I do. It's not about me. It's about my access. It's about my access to what God wants to give. And that's all of us. We're not supposed to do this alone. But we are called to do this. I'm called to stand up to my section and say, power of God, help me. What you've gifted me in a very different way than so many other people in this room. And that's okay. I don't have to compare. Just give me what you want to give. Because it is true that generations to come can be impacted by what you're asking me to do. And so, I'm here today, as I've been brought to that place again, and as many of you have been brought to that place again, maybe. And I say, I'm in. I want to rebuild. I want to use my gifts to make a difference. Give me my section of the wall. Come on. And it's hard, and it's going to be hard, and no doubt, 
Um, today, I, no doubt it's going to be hard, but today, brothers and sisters, I want to stand in front of you and say, I want to commit again. I want to be a part of saying, let's rebuild the, the wall. Not because I just want to, I want to be awesome, and I want to be like, wow, she's really good. You know, no. I want to see a church plan movement happen in Boston. Because it's, the, it's Jesus who changed my life. It's Jesus who came and changed, answered hopes and dreams, and, and gave me things that nothing else in life could give. And I want to be a part of seeing that happen for, for other people. And so um, this makes me a little nervous when what to do, but I feel the Holy Spirit on it, and I think it's important for us at a lot of levels. But I want us today, I want to call us to stand and commit. And um, this was said in a leaders meeting uh, yesterday that we were in, and I agree. So often, I feel like as the church, we've been afraid to ask people to help. We're afraid to ask people to join in, throw in, sacrifice, give their gifts again. Um, and so today, I want to ask you though: Will you, will you be, will you rebuild the wall? Will you be a part of this next year, this next season, with us as a church to say yes? I, I want to help rebuild. And I want to ask that during our time of response, if that's what's stirring in your heart, I'd like for you to stand up. Now listen, I know that, um, and the reason I want us to stand up is I want the corporate to see the individual, but I also want the individual to see the corporate. Does that make sense? To see what we're doing together. To see, to see the side-by-side network. Because I'm pretty sure that in Nehemiah's day, it's pretty encouraging. I'm sure a lot of those people had lots of different kinds of stories. Some might have been there forever and been like, do you know what I've done? Do you know what I've seen? And then other people are like, yeah, I just got here. I'm ready to build, you know? And it was the side-by-side that probably brought that strength and brought that encouragement to see the corporate thing happen. Now, in no way do I want to manipulate anything this morning. I know we have some first-time guests. They're like, what did I just get into? <laughs> I don't know what I'm going
sacrifice, it's worth the blood, it's worth the tears. Give us more. We love you.